I'm Jason Klom, and this is Comedy on Vinyl. Okay. Backup is also recording. Okay. The year is 1974. The album is called That Gentleman's Crazy. That's what I'm going to call it. Uh, the artist is Richard Pryor. My guest this week is Tarek Davis. Thank you so much for doing the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Um, so why don't you tell me first where you heard this album? Because I'm guessing, I don't know, was this something that was passed down at all? Because, I, you know, you obviously weren't around when it came out, so. Yeah, no, I heard this album in my living room in maybe the late 80s, mid to late 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, I have an older brother. Mm-hmm. Well, I have parents, and like, it was their album. Yeah. And they had prior albums, and, you know, I grew up in my context my brother i have an older brother who's eight years older than me mm-hmm. and so when eddie murphy's delirious came out my yeah. brother they especially then they you know he resembled eddie murphy a little bit he even went to school in like the red leather outfit and was like oh was going on that day yes. oh my god but it was it was something that like was it was played in my house that eddie murphy mm-hmm. um and i had a close big family uncles would come over and they'd listen to comedy. I'd be a little kid and I grew up in a household where I wasn't shielded from a lot of stuff. Uh-huh. You know, because that's how my family spoke when they were home. So sure. it's not like it'd be, you know, hypocritical for them to try to shoot me away. Mm-hmm. But like, I also didn't have access like to the albums. I couldn't play them. So I had to wait uh, unless my brother was babysitting me or my dad and my mom would go downstairs. They go in our basement and listen to music and listen to com- comedy albums. And I go, you know, I, they think I'd be in bed and I sneak up <laughs> to the foot of the steps and I listen. And I heard Richard Pryor doing a wino talking to Dracula. And I was like, this is, this is the greatest thing I've ever heard. This is gold. This I don't know how I've never heard a track off of this album before, though. That's what's blowing my mind. I'm, I'm sorry? I've never heard a track off of this album before today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's one of those that, you know, can get it can get lost in the mix. Mm-hmm. Uh, for someone who's so prolific, you know, it's... Yeah. Uh, you know, Sunset Strip is usually, you know, the, that's the album a lot of people acquired or Richard, but mm-hmm. I don't know. listening to this, you know, I, you know, I haven't heard in a long time. Yeah. And I was giving it a little bit of a listen, you know, in preparation of this. And I'm just like, the begin. it's it's such an interesting time period. Mm-hmm. And it's such an interesting, I feel like it's, we're seeing prior on like, you know, he's teetering into becoming the prior that we all know. Sure, yeah. Um, but I also remember, you know, I remember, you know, watching old clips of prior you know, on Ed Sullivan or something like that, where he was right. like very much pattering himself after the comic who will not be named. Sure, sure. <laughs> um, and this is like the way he comes into that, you know, San Francisco club and, and you know, I hope I'm funny. <laughs> Such a good opening. Such a great opening, but it's masterful in how he controls the room uh-huh. with, a, with an aggressiveness and a humility. And it's mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, this is someone who's been cutting their teeth. They've been working, but it's also like there's a young prior energy in there too. So anyway, no, I mean that's it's it's such it's not a way you hear an album with the especially with the kind of reaction the audience gives him. 
which is like it's always just so like they just so much i mean we'll get to it also there's a point where somebody like literally interrupts the set in such a positive way but like this this is an opening track and how often does a comic start make mentions of about uh, burning to death uh, or not burning to death as the case may be being poor like yeah. just it's just within the first you just get such a sense of exactly who he is and who he's going to be in yeah. one track yeah such uh, a friggin' the, storyteller and a character guy such a storyteller and there's no i don't know yeah there's he's he's not trying to put on airs you know yeah. of any kind it's um let me tell you how like i was a loser in high school man. Mm-hmm girls weren't messing with me like um oh okay like and the audience is with him 100 percent. like yeah. he's never trying to be cooler than them he's just trying to be honest and there's there's a beauty in that and that never changes that's one thing that doesn't ever change like he he will still i think acknowledge who he was as a younger man when he t- when he gets richer and he gets bigger it's still like yeah but i was this poor kid whose mother was who she was and who went through all this horrific shit and I am poor, but you still get to see where he comes from in a way that he doesn't have to. No comic has to do that, but he never nope. denies who he is. No, he doesn't. Um, there's also some like anti, like you know, some anti, you know, military complex war stuff in there. Like mm-hmm. you know, it's it's I don't I, I don't know. I as I get older, and mm-hmm. I guess as we get further away from that period, I was born in the tail end of the 70s. Mm-hmm. Do not remember the 70s. I remember the 80s and the 90s very well. Sure. Um, but, you know, that was my parents' time. And so I have an affection for that time period that I wasn't a part of. Yeah. And hearing, you know, the anti-war sentiment before beginning telling a joke. Right. Um, I, I love that. I, there's, there's just so much truth. This is only his uh, fourth record. Um, I think so. And to be, you know, I'm now realizing I don't think I've ever heard his first record. And I don't know that his record act gets is much different. It's obviously very different from who he was on Ed Sullivan. Yeah, um, but yeah. I, I feel like he's he's still very much prior on that first record. If if maybe I have heard it. Why would I be making that assessment if I had? Um, did you uh, what did you know of Richard Pryor then as a kid before you heard this record? So I knew Richard Pryor was to me in the 80s was like the guy who like i knew him mostly in like from like silly comedy movies like mm-hmm. bruce millions toy yep um toy was probably the one that i knew hit recognized richard Pryor the most um but it wasn't until you know you you listen to stuff more than once and i think i heard this revisited this again in like my you know maybe when i was like 12 or 13 mm-hmm. and you know knowing and then like by that point harlem nights had come out oh sure yeah and knowing how integral richard Pryor was to eddie murphy's career who was a yeah. favorite of mine growing up yeah and, oh this is all right so now you start to you know my brain is developing like the idea of oh the you know the the mentorship mm-hmm. aspect comedy and um yeah and i was like oh and then so knowing that listening and like hearing you know black people do this and white people do that Mm -hmm. like oh that's where all these comics got that from Mm -hmm. 
I mean, and he's he still does it so well. He does it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get to it, but his white people voices, I just realized, oh, that's my voice. <laughs> I was just like, oh, shit. I'm like, it kind of sounds Kermit the Froggy. I'm like, nope, no, no, nope, never mind. No. Uh, <laughs> so the wino character, the drunk, like his general drunk character that does make several appearances on this record. Yeah. Speaking of the Eddie Murphy influence, I have to wonder if that has anything to do with the way he char- Eddie Murphy characterizes his dad. Dad, yeah. Uh, some great. I would not be surprised. Especially right. considering that Eddie Murphy is such a a master mimic. Yeah. Well, doing, um, when he does that whole bit, just doing an impression of Richard Pryor, but doing poop jokes is still one of my favorite things I've ever heard on a record. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. It's great. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, so this was like a, you know, um, but I would say that, I mean, I, I'm a huge horror fan. So okay. this was, um, and, you know, because horror movies terrified me as a kid. So this was the first thing to kind of let air out of that fear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Of like, oh, you can just talk Dracula down. Or, yeah. oh, like the exorcist isn't like things that my family, like they would, you know, if a movie was scary, like I, that, that would, that was kind of like a hard line mm-hmm. that my parents were like, all right, well, I don't know if we can watch this with you, but you know, I'd still hear my loud family, my uncles and brother and parents like, you know, reacting and like exorcist was one of those that I wasn't allowed to see. Okay. So hearing like that, hearing that bit and like, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> This is how you tackle horror, and it made it just made it more endearing. I I love so much. You don't often hear because you know I I had a a billion thoughts going through this, especially when you know uh, there's so much going on right now where satirists are questioning themselves and their own purpose, and can comedy change anything? But I mean, in small ways, in what you just actually that's not small. Like childhood fears are a a fucking bitch to get over, and the idea that like you could listen to this comedy album and just his approach through a character even is enough to be like, oh, oh shit, that's not that big a deal. Yeah, yeah, Dracula wasn't scary after that anymore. (laughs) That's so good. I love that so much. What the hell is it? Uh, that's right. It's just entitled Wino Dealing with Dracula. Yeah. <laughs> it's so great. It's so, and like the way he dresses, I, I really, that whole conversation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what, what you doing looking in on people's windows? <laughs> like, and Dra- and like you, you automatically have to imagine Dracula go, oh, well, I, uh, I was just, you know, like <laughs> to this wino, you know? What's your name, Dracula? What kind of name is that for a nigga? Well, it's uh, Romanian. Like, you know, (laughs) you hear this whole conversation, but it's only on one end, and it's it's a brilliant... brilliant performance. (laughs) He asked him what what he did to his natural hair. Um, Yeah. Tells me... (laughs) You got a messed up natural. And dirt all on your neck. Like, that is probably my favorite bit in this whole album because it's so specific. It's like, yeah, Draco sleeps in a coffin of soil. Like, it's for a horror nerd. Mm-hmm. Why you got dirt in, dirt in the back of your neck? It's like, yo, um, kudos, hat, hat tip. Hat that tip, was, Mr. Pryor. What's the first, okay, this is a side question, but what's the first horror movie that you, you were then comfortable watching after this? 
Oh, well, probably my my favorite horror movie to this day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would not be surprised if it's... Uh, I never even considered this. My favorite horror movie is Fright Night. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't even know if you can see it. I have a little Fright Night like memorabilia behind Oh, okay. Um, but it's a vampire movie, and mm-hmm. it was another one that, like, you know, uh, there's a lot of comedy in it. Yeah. I remember when it first came out in like 85, I was like, remember, you know, I was like, no, this is too scary for me. <laughs> and it was like, it was probably within that year that I saw it all the way through. Okay. I was like, oh, I, I, I can handle this. And I would not be surprised if it was because of this album. Wow. I love that. That's delightful. I don't know. You know, It's rare when I can ask you actually ask somebody, hey, did this album change your life? And they're like, clearly, clearly. I, clearly it did. And I never, uh, that wasn't even I wasn't even thinking that large. So yeah, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I also love like you know again as you point out there's there's a lot of the black people versus white people comedy that again he does better than than anybody. Um, and uh, just a real quick tip to white comics: don't do that. That's not for you mm-hmm. to do. Um, I I just love. Uh, <laughs> it's just wait. Oh, that's right. Okay, so there's the bit about. I need to pull this up. Just I, I wrote down a few notes, but just general household interactions that uh, just the idea that him saying pass the potatoes is just why oh, that yeah. that whole bit yeah shouldn't be funny, but it somehow is. But it's, it is. <laughs> um, and I, I don't. And I, mean, I was uh, yeah listening to that is it's beyond his voice. Mm-hmm. And you hear, and like the reaction of that audience is like also a release. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've thought, you know, um, I think it's a release for uh, for the same reasons that Dracula's a release. Yeah, Not to compare white people to Dracula. That's but, fine. That's absolutely uh, fine if you do. But I, and then yeah, I'm gonna go there. But Please. there's so much fear. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, um, when considering the black experience. There's an immense amount of horror, unfortunately, the Black mm-hmm. American experience. I, I have to highlight there's more joy and invention and, um, and you know, Bugs Bunny wit with it. But there's also, uh, there's a huge amount of horror mm-hmm. in this situation. And so what he is doing is with that voice, uh, giving permission to laugh at something that is terrifying white men yeah um but then there's but beyond that then there's also like there's an honesty in the past the potatoes i think we're laughing at the we're laughing at what's behind that we're laughing at like there's you know there's a theater there in that he's highlighting the theater of a white household yeah it's funny to white people because i think white people are also acknowledging like yeah, there's a theater there, like yeah. Um, that when black people are at home, no matter how bad the situation can be, um, sometimes we're not even afforded the luxury of that theater yeah. for good and bad. Yeah. And so you know, when he's talking about Richard Pryor, you know, he's talking about his dad, like, be home by eleven and bring, and bring a paper. He's done a few bits about his dad in the newspaper, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, like there's no theater there, right? In but in that you know, but in those interactions, 
and why they're funny is like he's highlighting the theater yeah and he's releasing the fear and um yeah that's my very nerdy analysis no please um, i mean that's all i was thinking the whole time i'm listening to it and you know and you have to then wonder. well i have to then wonder why is it only cropping up in my head more and more as i listen to these records now it's obvious why uh, but you know, so there, there's this element of yes, an album can change your life, and we know that. We don't know that an album could necessarily change society, or at least there are parts of society that are not mm, going to catch it in the same way because it doesn't resonate. Because apparently, I have to be hit over the head with certain things. Right. Um, but there's an element in everything. It, it, there are things that are just uh, things that pass by you that are, or or are meant to be just part of the story. That again, like you say, like there's these little bits and pieces that are just part of his actual life. Mm-hmm. You know that. Even him just, I, I, I don't know, uh, what I had a, even the bit about black people not being afraid of aliens. There's <laughs> something about, there's just something in, in every track. Oh, oh, there we go. The back down. He, I was in every gang in Peoria, whichever one was winning. That's a funny joke. Yeah. He might have rolled with a gang. I don't know. He might have. He could have. You know, yeah. that's a yeah. fucking part of his life. Yeah. Well, it, it's Richard Pryor is. Um, I think why we still talk about Richard Pryor is because he. I always. Uh, Richard Pryor traveled in so many circles, mm-hmm. so many vastly different circles uh, of life and. Yeah in his life and so there's nothing inauthentic that he brings to the stage so when even when parroting the white person's voice mm-hmm. uh, it's like it's not inauthentic because richard knows that person he, he's evoking someone mm-hmm. um and for these made-up entities like the ufos the exorcist or dracula mm-hmm. um like you know black people aren't afraid of those like that's a whole run in the album like yeah black people will handle that different because there's nothing more horrible than what we've gone through yeah um and so yeah but and so you consider that you consider like the horror that richard Pryor knows consider the fact that you know um whatever he experienced like growing up in you know a brothel yeah right um he like from a very young age like the the curtain was pulled down mm-hmm. um and so that's what i'm I, I i'm now thinking about like the curtain the partial curtain that was still up for me listening to this yeah like uh you know, my parents were very honest at home. Like I said, it didn't shield me from a lot, but it was a stable home. Mm-hmm. My dad had a stable job and so did my mom. Um, it was not a brothel. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, like, I, I am a different type of performer because of that experience. Um, I imagine coming up in the 50s and you know not having that curtain but then also having to this need to perform knowing you have the talent to do it mm-hmm. and then realizing like okay i'm gonna mold myself after bill cosby 
Right. Like to me, like that's every time I think about Richard Pryor, I always go there. Yeah. Because even in his later years, like the inflection of like, like that kind of pattern, like it's still kind of Cosby. Yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah. But he became his own comedian. But like the how he was able to do that. Like you talk, you talked earlier about like he doesn't have to do this. Mm-hmm. He also didn't have to change his act. That's um, to me. That's why I think we still talk about Richard Pryor. He made a choice, mm-hmm. and he's constantly making choices on stage, and he's constantly making choices of what to share and what to investigate. Mm-hmm. But he made a choice right at the beginning of like, oh, I'm gonna just uh, yeah. There's no theater here. Mm-hmm. Uh, there wasn't theater for me growing home, so growing up, so. It's not going to be theater for y'all too. I'm just going to be honest. And that it's the gift that keeps, sorry. It's the gift that keeps giving. It's (laughs) the, it's, but it's the incredible just so, you know, we can, you can go into any joke and it's like a freestyle or uh, a track and a rap album. We can just dissect it. I know this is incredible because he's being extremely honest and not giving us theater. I should also point out then, now that you say a track and a rap album, that the back down was sampled in uh, a Tupac track, which I didn't find out till today. That is all right. Yeah, that's true. Hearts of Men. It is. It is. It's loosely. It's. It's. It's it, not loosely. It's. It's in there, but just woven in into a beat. Which uh, and it's the one about again being in every gang in Peoria. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's whatever the fuck echoes the most for you. I. Uh, I love that. There's something in there for. For anybody who might need it, and it, again, it's 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 rare that we get to come across an album that actually distinctly means something in this way. You don't always right. get to talk about them that way. Yeah, uh, I also like like it. You know, the punches usually hit him. Mm-hmm. He's never really punching out. Yeah. Uh, you know, even you know, the punches always either go back to him or the character he's embodying. Right. Oh, for sure. I mean, you know, like you said, so much about it. I was a young kid who couldn't get laid. I mean, right. that's so much of it. There's right. just, and I, and I think also there's, there's, there's an element too where if you were listening to this out of context and had no sense of nuance, and you heard him saying the things he's saying, yeah, he's throwing out a lot of words that we might be uncomfortable with today. But half the time they're in character, though. You know, they're a lot of them are in character. Not always, but sometimes. They're, you know, they're they're in character. They're an era. Mm-hmm. Um, like, yeah, when he's talking about getting, you know, in the 50s and, like, trying to, in his words, get laid. Uh, mm-hmm. And, like, yeah, he's talking about, you know, he says, uh, thank, I remember he says the line, like, um, you know, girls were mean to us. <laughs> and so I'm listening to it and, like, mm-hmm. you know, 2020 progressive feminist side of my brain is like, you know, Richard, that is, uh, you are not owed sex of any kind, you mm-hmm. know, like, consent and like all like which is right but yeah. it's also like this is he's talking about being a teenager in the 1950s and being yeah. horny and yeah. it's like yeah, those are and he's sharing those thoughts and like lifting the curtain um this isn't what he was saying in the car with the girls this is what he's ta- how he feels he's like my balls are going in my stomach <laughs> like, um and so yeah it's 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 fascinating and again and i can't i can't not 
hear that and also hear the choice and hear the choice of like, like, you know, like there's some stuff that I listen to from other comedians in the past, some of whom I, very, I love very much to this day still. But I'm like, ooh, you are punching. Yeah. Yeah. And like in that, like, there's no venom there. It's just honesty. Yeah. You know? So, um, but yeah. I'm wondering how many times I've now seen or heard this exact same bit and reality of maybe the, well, not maybe, the one that resonates the most, at least with people who don't have to live through it, uh, which is a word I won't say versus police. Uh, just, it's just, it's the most frank, but it also gets so much cathartic laughter. The audience is not just understands it, but they're so fucking on board with getting to laugh about it. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. Just Uh, having to yell, I am reaching into my pocket for my license. And again, it's, it's real. It's so painfully real. It was like 40, 40, how many years ago? Uh, yeah, right. Uh, 74. So. I can't do math right now. So I'm, yeah, it's like 45, 46 years ago. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I, yeah, it's, I'm listening to that and it, it, I, I stopped for a second because I was like, yeah. all right, this is um, weird. It's uh-huh. not weird. It's not weird at all, but it's like the, you know, the term I've heard some people like, ah, you know, this this person's like, you know, in my family, maybe like, oh, this person was a prophet, you know, <laughs> about, you know, either slain civil rights heroes or people from the past. But I know I'm not going to say that Richard Pryor is pathetic. I think it's more it's not prophetic. I think the system is so pathetic that like, but like it's the uh, it's the same like that. laugh. You compare the laugh he gets in that joke. Mm hmm from the first laugh he gets of like, I hope I'm funny. Yeah. And basically proceeds to start doing, uh, you know, uh, he's just starts controlling the room um, with some, you know, with the combo of like, like I said, aggressive humor is self deprecating humor, uh, but still very much in control. And that laugh is like, I'm listening to those people laugh. I'm listening to that club. Uh, I don't know. Did you watch um, Dolomite Is My Name? Oh, I love it so much. I love that movie so much. So fucking good. Um, like that's what I'm picturing. Like this club in San Francisco in 1974-75 is like. Mm-hmm. This is not and like so that energy. Like I'm listening to people laugh. I'm like those are people that got jobs. Mm-hmm. Those are people that are working. But it's a very clearly black audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, the MC, the host that brings out Richard is like sultry black woman with a voice. Like, or just like, mm-hmm. it's like gravy. It's just like, I'm perfect. But like, yeah. this is like a club. Yeah. And those are people, I don't know, just like this was the seventies. They went out to a club. This is where they're feeling like we can go here and we can hear truth and laugh. And so every laugh was a release, but that laugh was like, Haha, yeah, thanks for saying that. But yeah, right. It's almost like I've, I, I expect the audience to, you know, listen. I stopped because I was like, I expect the audience to be like, Haha, yeah, still 1974, though. Right. Like, 
You know, it's crazy. I'm misremembering the laugh then. Am I not? I'm definitely like, that's felt so, maybe it felt cathartic to me. Well, I mean. It, guilt? Who knows? It's, I mean, I, we're hearing it from two different sets of ears. Mm-hmm. There's that's not to say that. there's no catharsis. And like, he's talking about something that nobody's talking about. Yeah. I'm, But I'm also thinking about like, Maybe this is me superimposing, but like you're that's a that's a black house that still has to go out into that world. Yeah. And so and I stopped because I'm like, I'm a black dude. I still gotta go out into this world. <laughs> it's it's cathartic, but it doesn't remove the terror. Sure. Yeah. Just it just highlights it, which is what he's great at. And like for that moment it's blissful, but yeah, I mean that's the hard part. When he gives you Dracula and flying saucers and then at some point gets to the real shit, he's which he has right. to get to. Which he has to get. I mean, and it's a like the the Dracula stuff is that's all in the middle. Yeah. Like that's, uh, like he started. He talks about, you know, I hope I'm funny, and you know, and here's some curses, and yeah, you better be funny and be in the audience. It's like, all right, this guy, he's you know, mm-hmm. he's at least not scared. And then he gets into sex, mm-hmm. and then he gets into silly stuff, and then it gets real. Yeah. Like that's his arc. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's brilliant i'm just yeah honestly looking at the track listing right now i'm like fuck this is just it's so just by design so beautiful a story that gets yeah. told fuck. yeah like he and like the lionel character is he starts off and fights mm-hmm. starts off um talk and then like then go for some fights and then he's talking to dracula then it's a wino and a junkie. Yeah. And like to like the police laugh, it's like, I don't know. Everyone knows at that point. Yeah, everyone knows somebody who's got an alcohol problem to that audience. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows someone who's got a drug problem. Everyone's had an encounter with the police. And he's like, that's not going to stop. This was just a phone release. And that's that's what this that's how this album feels. It's a it's this is like a it's a whole this whole thing is about horror to me. Yeah. And just like, hey, the horror it's real. It's not going away. Mm-hmm. But we can laugh at it. We can recognize it. We can face the monster. And the the laugh is like a release, but it's also a <laughs> the monster still here. That's what I'm hearing. That's what I hear. No, that's that's I mean. You know, again, that's the legitimate analysis of it. I'm just interested in the fact that um, how I misheard it and maybe why. It's something I have to dig into. Like it's it's mm-hmm. it's so weird to me. You know, also so the 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 Wino and Junkie track is the last track in the whole record. It's yeah. seven fucking minutes of character work, where you can't tell as stand up. Oh, okay, so is he going to be talking about this Wino? And then I think it does. Then at some point, just turn into strictly the Wino talking, singing to himself. Yeah, I, I remember when Jesus Jesus got killed. It was a Friday down by the depot. There's just so, and again, it's funny, but it's a laugh instead of cry character. That's what so much of this shit is. Yeah, um, Richard was a brilliant actor, mm-hmm. and I, and I've been saying like taking the theater away, mm-hmm. um, and I mean that term. But Richard was an amazing actor, and. Um, yeah, basically leaves the stage not as Richard, <laughs> um, right? Uh, and that 
that junkie, that wino junkie piece. I don't know. Richard has an affection for those yeah. souls. Yeah. Um, like I said, there's no punching. It's 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 a familiarity. Yeah. And an affection and a love and uh, like these are you know. Um, like the the chunky, the one like the none of them they're not stupid, right? They're hurt, yeah. Um, and so I think it's again it's a. You know I, I won't go into his I won't do his routines, but it's um. It reminds me of relatives. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I always feel like if when I listen to Richard Pryor do those characters, I have more affection for the relatives. I can see that. That makes sense. Yep. Then the reality. Yeah. And, and I'm like, is that your point? Is that what you're doing? Right. Because um, I didn't feel that way. Uh, sure. And then I listen to this and I'm like, oh, right. They just, I don't hate them. Mm-hmm. This is a uh, horror, like, uh, and like they're harmless. Also, his versions are harmless. I will sure. also sure. Like they're they're more inquisitive, curious, silly, opinionated, but um, it's not always the case in reality. Is there a horror movie that best reflects what this re- record is trying to do that you can think of? If there is one that has the whole of this put into it. Oof, that is an amazing question. It might be. It might be a stupid question. I don't know. If you can't answer it, it might be a stupid question. <laughs> no, I, I, well, I feel like this movie is. What is the horror movie? Um, oof. I don't know. I'm going to let that stew for a second. I mean, I, I had the movie that came to mind, I had two were Candyman and Bamboozled. Okay. Oh fuck. Okay. And I don't know what bamboozled is. It's a horror movie to me because it's weird and scary. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But like, it's it's like you know, um, there's a the parody in that movie goes so hard. Yeah. 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 Um, to really make you look, and that's what Richard does. Like. Mm-hmm. When Richard hits that stage, like it's laughs, it's silly, it's cotton candy, but it's like, nah, but really look though. Look at what we're really, like there's not a wasted moment, a wasted breath, a wasted word in anything that he says. Like he threads things, like I said, like he's talking about, he says a small thing about anti-war. He says a small thing about, um, you know, being having like an abusive dad, like <laughs> yeah. yeah, um, but none of that is like by accident, and so I, I really think he's trying to get the audience to just look, and that's it. Yeah, and like you know, make up your own mind, but know that this is all here. We're here, and um, there's a beautiful kind of affirmation in just recognizing that you're here in a time in a world that doesn't see you. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I just think of like, you know, Candyman, like is, you know, people have to look at themselves in the mirror to invoke this horror. 
yeah uh this black horror this you know this remnant of slavery um and like you don't want to remember it you don't want to call it out because it's really bad once it manifests uh-huh uh-huh and uh and you know and like don't let the the moniker Candyman fool you mm-hmm. so yeah i guess Candyman would be the I just feel it's a little easy because it is tied to, you know, uh, certain aspects of black history, but I tried to be a little slicker, but I couldn't. <laughs> sorry. Uh, sorry. Uh, sorry. And uh, I apologize if I'm also not super funny in this and like, I'm getting very intellectually dirty. No, 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 please. You, you picked a record that me, here's the thing. A lot of the time when we discuss, I have a very strong difference of opinion when people come on and say, well, you know, comedy's comedy as long as it's funny. I mm. I am a big fan of at least trying, if not trying to make a difference, at least trying to say something. And some people think that's pretentious as a performer or a writer or whatever. Oh. I strongly disagree. Oh, and, great. Same. We're in the same team. <laughs> and, you know, it, it, whether you make a difference or not, you should always be fucking speaking your voice. This is an album that does that. And you can't tell me that eventually when he goes to Africa, decides he's not going to use certain language anymore, when he changes who he is and right. tells, he doesn't have to tell you about that. He could just go ahead and make more Richard Pryor jokes and not he, say the yeah. word. Right. Right. He could be just doing see no evil, hear no evil with, with Gene Wilder and mm-hmm. like, Collecting his checks. Yeah. Um, but he doesn't. Like, he's, there's a, you know, uh, there's a thing where I like to, you know, when an artist has their bookend, unfortunately, unfortunately, like a Richard Pryor, we can see the beginning and the end. Um, but there's always, like, a through line. And, like, for, for Mr. Pryor, I feel like, yeah, he was always just trying to be honest and tell us what was happening with him in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's why I think we still, why he's considered such the master uh, that he is. I can't think of a rich white comic who's ever successfully brought me on a uh, board for long enough for me to give a fuck. And I don't get me wrong. I love a lot of comics. There's a lot of comics and sure. Plenty of them are white, but there's mm-hmm. none of them who would make me care enough to listen right. in the way I listen to Richard Pryor. I don't think. Yeah, no, it's it's not a. I had a interesting debate maybe a year ago at my gym, which is should tell you enough. I had a debate at my gym. <laughs> um, should tell you enough about my life. Um, but it was with the trainer, and like I was training. I'm not a stand up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've like done it once or twice. Um, my training isn't. You know, I'm an actor, and then I trained and performed shit tons of improv and sketch and um you know over the years um so i have uh, but i have a huge amount of respect for stand-ups somehow i ended up coaching a burgeoning stand-up who was a trainer at this gym that i went to Mm -hmm. it was anthony like from brooklyn italian (laughs) like very like we called him the fonz because he was very (laughs) who he is Mm -hmm. Uh, anthony renda Shout out to you. But um, there was another trainer, a younger guy, who was like, I don't think Richard Pryor is funny. And I mean, it it hit a hit something. And I was like, "Okay, explain yourself. And he's like, I just don't think he's funny. And I was like, well, you just can't say that. (laughs) No. 
it's this isn't an opinion this isn't up for an opinion this is like saying you know this is an academic certainty <laughs> yeah so tell me and he was like i don't listen to this stuff and like you know it's it's really hard <laughs> and like that one and i was like it's, it's really hard to listen to and i was like ah i see and and to me and then i was i wasn't mad anymore it was just like oh, if i were if richard were here i mean i have to in his place be his proxy but i'm gonna take that as a compliment mm-hmm. you know it's like someone yeah. saying like oh man this isn't ah this is this coffee's the worst. Oh, why? It's well, it's, it's pure. It's straight from the cocoa <laughs> beans of the Amazon forest, and it's really strong. Oh, that's not the worst. You're just, you just ha- you're only used to filtered theater mm-hmm. with a lot of milk in it. There's with a lot of milk in it, and yeah, and like so that if we can all just have a little bit of that, mm-hmm. and I don't necessarily know if it's like a tied explicitly to blackness mm-hmm. i think a lot of it a lot of richard's experience is sure uh it's in his dna and the horror of that but also the joy and the truth <clears throat> and the, the lack of theater but I, I think like you know carlin is a comic to me who i i really like yeah who you know came up in a similar era and carlin made that similar choice of like i'm not going to do this theater thing anymore mm-hmm the suit and the tie and the I'm gonna grow my hair out and I'm a I'm gonna beat his dude and like we'll do a whole set where he's just preaching to the audience like yeah. his you know progressive liberal like you know points of view yeah um but I'm cool with it because I'm like all right I I'm I'm on this journey to look at you you know right it's it's interesting that to get out your your progressive liberal points of view <laughs> just it, it, just comparing Carlin uh, to Pryor in terms of approach and what they are allowed to say and not allowed to say, ironically enough, when they're both dealing with censorship, Carlin maybe more openly and obviously, but Richard Pryor is a black man trying to speak and it's there's still censorship there. So oh, yeah. like the way they have to then approach saying some of the same shit, uh, one having to like open obviously a bunch of white people's eyes and then the other just reminding you hey yeah this shit sucks but try and be diligent in in the funniest way possible i don't know how he does it i can't obviously can't relate but i don't fucking get it me neither there's a a clip somewhere that i watched not too long ago of carlin and Pryor on the tonight show and it's a little awkward yeah yeah and it's it's uh because, you know, you're geared up for like, ah, oh, this is going to be great. And it's not. Um, mm. But I, I think it goes to what you're what you're, you're alluding to a little bit. It's like I have the utmost respect and love for both comics. Mm-hmm. But there is a difference. Yep. Um, and, you know, watching this interview, um, I almost feel like so like energy wise, you know, I would watch had the the Richard Pryor show, his sketch show on NBC. Mm hmm. And he, you know, and Robin Williams was a writer on that, as was Alan Thicke. Uh, <laughs> Whoa. Okay, this I did not know. I'm, I hope I'm not wrong. Yeah, I'm, pl- I'm pretty sure, Alan, like, Tim Reed was definitely Marsha Warfield, um, Robin Williams, wow. uh, uh, Paul Mooney. But I, I, sure. Alan Thicke was involved somehow. I know that. I, I, I'm, not, I, I'm not making that up. 
But wow, you know, there's a roast at the end of the video, and like you see, Robin Williams and Pryor do these sketches, and they have a matching energy. Mm-hmm. They enjoy, and like the energy of Carlin and Pryor is not matching energy. So at least it was that night. Wow. And like this is in the '80s, early '80s, and it's like Carlin when he's not doing the ponytail, but when he had like, you know, it's like Rufus from Bill and Ted, Carlin, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. who's like was like i you know at that time like acceptable mm-hmm. um and prior is still a little wild um and they're j- it's it's not a disdain for each other but it's not a not a, not a similar energy and i'm just like all right yeah this is this is a reality and i i'm i don't know what the specific like differences are mm-hmm. uh, you know i'd have to watch it again but why, you know, I just remember that impression of watching this interview. It's just like, oh, yeah, this seems like a, you know, uh, Carlin is more like, he's like, I know this Tonight Show format. Sure. And, you know, I'm going to play nice here. And pri- it feels like prior is like, I don't want to play nice. Yeah. I mean, he can't, he can't have missed doing that kind of TV. He, he, right. He, you know, he said the words he said to, to <laughs> for a reason. Right. Oh my God! Yeah, that had to have been so fucking restrictive. Yeah, and it says a lot that again, Carlin, who's a guy who's known for breaking all these boundaries, is like, no, I'm still fine here. I'm okay. Right. And so that that was the thing yeah. that like struck me. It was just like you know, and I love Carlin, but he's sure. Carlin is also you know um, a white man, yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. Uh, but prior, it was just like that that discomfort of like, yeah, I can't. Yeah, I still don't know if they're going to kick me out of the pool. Mm-hmm. That that was the sense that I got. That is, uh, yeah, I can imagine that being tense. I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to look that up, and I'm also gonna have to find out what sketches Alan Thick wrote for Richard Pryor because that's hurting my brain so hard. I really hope I'm not making. I, I really hope I'm not lying to you. But, I, Alan Thick. Let me just. I gotta look up. I'm trying my, to find it too. I'm trying to find what was it? Was it just the Richard Pryor show? Right? Was Richard that Richard Pryor? Yeah. Um, uh, on NBC. Oh my God! I'm just looking at just the cast members. Why that? Why have I not seen this? Holy shit! It's an incredible. Oh, it's there's some sketches that it's you know we talk about that. Yeah, he was. Um. Uh, I'm pretty sure. All right. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's we talk about that through line in the history. This was it was given like one season, if that. Okay. Um, and it was pulled off the air because it was too risque, apparently. Wow. Uh, sketches were too risque. Um, but it was, and this was like, you know, maybe a few years, two years after SNL mm-hmm. uh, debuted. And so like, you know, this is, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be careful because I also work for the network, <laughs> but, sure. um, but yeah, like, you know, NBC was like, yeah, we're into that young hip comedy. Mm-hmm. And then you know Richard Pryor, he has a sketch where you know it's the black president, mm-hmm. um, and like it evokes watching it now evokes Living Color, the Chappelle show, mm-hmm. um, and seeing what they were able to get get away with years down the line. Sure, yeah, and what he was trying to get away with and and didn't ultimately. Yeah. Um, it's it's recommended viewing. I recommend that any comedy lover watch that show, and if you can get the DVD so you can watch the specials yeah. and watch 
there's a Paul Mooney doing improv with the cast. Like, holy shit, it's wild. Oh my god, it's wild. Alan Thicke absolutely wrote for this show. Do not doubt yourself ever again. Alan Thicke absolutely Fantastic. wrote Fantastic. Yes, he did. Shit. Like, this is what I'm saying, man. Like, the 70s. This cast is ridiculous, though. Yeah, it's an, it's like, it's a, it's all heavy hitters. Uh, um, who else was in that cast? Uh, Edie McClurg's on there. Yeah. Um, it's, it's also now reminding me I have to get back to Marsha Warfield because I want to have her on my podcast. Um, uh, greatest god holy shit this is just massive this is just wow i feel like an ass all right well now i'm gonna buy this show um holy crap the uh okay so normally i ask people to say hey why listen to this album if you're not that familiar to richard Pryor?" i feel like we've made the case we talk about the (laughs) album more than normal uh on somebody's first episode um but I don't know. Do you want to do you want to try and give people a two sentence summary why you should listen to this record? Sure. Uh, I mean, Dracula talking to a wino. <laughs> why? <laughs> like just that. Dracula talking to someone who's drunk on the street. <laughs> like that should be enough. Uh, like to me, that that is still my favorite. It's still my favorite bit in this whole in the whole album. That is gold. Yeah. But um, it's. It's un it's unfiltered prior, um, being very honest with a like an intimate house. Yeah, in his prime. Yeah, uh, it's so 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 good. Um, I will say I there are probably a million other questions I I had for you, but I feel like again we've talked about an important album, and it's. <laughs> I not to insult other records. Well, I'll insult a few of them because sometimes they're shit and people know that they're shit and they bring on a shit album to talk about. But it's mm. an important album and it's nice to talk about these. Uh, it doesn't always happen. And I just feel like I should remind people it's OK to do good things with comedy. It's OK to, to uh, have good intentions for fuck's yeah. sake. Yeah. And, and, and choose your words carefully and, and be a smart person, an intelligent person in comedy. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with it. It they just laugh. It escapes people. It really escapes people sometimes. Um, I'm, 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 yeah. Anyway, uh, I could go on a soapbox, but I won't. Okay, so this episode <laughs> is going to come out next week. Um, I would like you to tell people where they can find you, where they can see. We didn't even talk about the show, so please tell people oh. everything about you. Uh, yeah. Um, you can find me uh, Fridays um, on Peacock. I am. Uh, I have the. Uh, incredible privilege to announce to the world Amber Ruffin every Friday on the Amber Ruffin show. Mm-hmm. Um, she's my sister and she's an amazing, amazing comedian performer. Yeah. Um, first black woman on late night television. Come on. Uh, she's also just a, a pioneer. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I have the privilege of announcing her and doing sketches with her and singing with her. And it's a great time. Uh, I'm also a member and performer and teacher of Freestyle of Supreme. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were on Broadway, and now I just got nominated for an Emmy. Holy uh, shit! For the documentary with We All Love Freestyle of Supreme, which I'm not in, uh-huh. but shout out to that group. Um, so those are like two of my jobs, and then like you know I have my socials. You can follow me at Tarek R Davis on both Twitter and Instagram. I'm out here. I, I make stuff. You know, I'm a horror fan. You know, I'm a movie fan. 
what are your thoughts on the upcoming Candyman remake? Um, it looks intriguing. Okay. Yaha seems to be, you know, on a roll. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I, I, and uh, the director uh, of that movie uh, looks to have done an amazing job. I'm, yeah. forget, I'm forgetting her name at the moment. Um, I'm really excited by new stuff, though. Sure. Not to disparage the remake. I'm going to watch it. It's going to get my money. But yeah, I, I'm. Uh, I really like. like oh, this is something new. Mm-hmm. Okay, what is that? Um, but yeah, go watch Candyman. What about something in recent memory? I'm not even to stick to horror. I don't even care about horror, but I'm interested in what you like. What What's a horror movie in recent memory that is definitely worth watching? Horror movie in recent memory that's definitely worth watching. Um, hmm. It's a good question. I was just talking. I watched so many old movies, but now I'm like basing on a horror movie that was made recently. I did like, um, now I'm blanking on it. I did like Hereditary. I know mm-hmm. some people didn't. Uh, Cause again, it gets to the like, white people are scary as fuck. Mm-hmm. Um, it hit me on that level. I was just like, I don't like, this is a whole town of people that are all in this shit. No, of course you are, but no, I'm out of here. Um, but yeah, like, I feel like there's a lot of great, like not movies so, so much, but there's mm-hmm. some great stuff on television or streaming where I see people are really pushing pushing some boundaries and doing some cool stuff. Um, there was a horror anthology series on Hulu um, recently, and I'm blanking on the name, but it was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know, uh, had a few, uh, few like episodes that were like horror and like revolved around like the black experience and black people. And it will hit me in a moment, but I can't remember the name. I'll I'll look it up. If either of us remembers, we can yeah let the other know, and I'll I'll add it in here. Uh, yeah, but um, uh, I also wrote a, a, a horror play for Zoom that did pretty well, and we're going to try to mount it again. Amazing. Um, okay. Speaking of um, trying to put new stuff out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I, you know, um, I, I I like horror because it doesn't let you be comfortable. Mm-hmm. You can't like, you know, even like a, a horror comedy, it's like, uh, you know, um, there's still going to be a jump scare in there somewhere. Um, and you can't really, it keeps you on your toes. Um, and the good stuff is, you know, is really good. And the bad stuff, unfortunately, is really bad. Yeah. Sure. Uh, it feels like somebody, you know, you're looking at somebody's, you know, fetish. And not sure. to kink name, but like, you know. There's got to be consent there. <laughs> right, right. I don't want to watch this movie and like, oh, this is what you're into. Okay. Right, right, right. right. I don't want to. I didn't ask for this. I wanted a good story. I had to write a horror movie once, and the thing that was assigned to me was like, I was like, how do we get this person from point A to point B? And the woman who was my boss, well, my supervisor, basically, I didn't get paid to write it, but whatever. She still said, the thing that she had me do was, the thing I would never write to happen to a woman in a horror movie. And she's like, no, I I still think that's how it should go. And I'm like, okay, I wrote it. And then, you know, felt so uncomfortable having written it. Um, And then it's like, okay, well, I guess that's the movie I just fucking wrote. (laughs) Because I was asked to. (laughs) 
sucks. But then uh, it's like then then your name is on it if it ever gets made. It never got made. Right. And it's yeah. Having a moniker handy. Uh, it was uh-huh. the, the the show was Monsterland, by the way. Monsterland. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Uh, I'll check that out. But yeah, uh, yeah, it's it can be. Yeah, I've had to. I wrote a horror movie. Then I made a short film out of it and we won an award. Mm-hmm. The concept of the horror movie was um, it's called Victim Number One, and it was about the black guy that dies first in horror movies. So I like. Mm-hmm tried to take a stand-up joke that I had been hearing for years and uh-huh. you know, a lot of black comedians will go on like, why do black guy die first? Like, you know, that's my black uh, stereotypical comedian voice. <laughs> and, uh, but like, it's based in this real kind of trope. And, you know, like I said, I'm an actor and then I, you know, years ago, uh, the story's gonna get dark. Um, you know, I had a horrible experience, um, you know, where I like in Richard Pryor's stand-up routine, I too uh, had a near-death experience due to a police officer. Oof. And, you know, you know, drew a gun on me. And, um, and then like, and not in a very short span of time, I got asked, you know, this is when I was really broke, a struggling actor, as opposed to just being broke now. Um, then I got asked to audition for a film and it was a horror film and the the uh, the role was um, of a character who of color who does not survive uh, the film mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, it was also I just like read it and I like walked out I was like this is most offensive dribble and I was still kind of shaken from my personal experience and I couldn't remove this like notion I kept hearing like wasn't a specific comedian it was like the amalgam of all those jokes like why can't the black guy die and like uh, why does a black guy always gotta die and I was like yeah but both in life and in fantasy right and so I wrote a, a horror film kind of confronting that about and so the premise was what if that was one actor who's just like has that horrible career of just like, no matter what movie they're in, they're cast as a black guy that dies first. And then they're really embarrassed by it and like, just don't want to do it. They're like a meme. Mm-hmm. And they do one last film, convinced to do one last film. And then like a horror situation really breaks out and people really start to die. However, this black actor has been killed so many times. He knows all the tropes and mm-hmm. knows how to stay out of every single trap. Um, so that was like my, like, you know, you're, you're talking about how Richard Pryor, how his album changed my life. Like, you know, there's an award that I got for best screenplay, uh, for, you know, for that short film that we were working on for a decade. And just through that, I met, I met people, I have relationships that are like family, Mm -hmm. um, career shifts due to that um and so yeah i'm like it's hitting me now like oh wow my whole career has kind of been that wino versus dracula (laughs) 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 um i have been pursuing that dragon (laughs) since i was five years old and uh and now it's only dawning on me of like wow yeah i've been trying to really get like 
<laughs> the whole world would be like, no, no, no. But this this two minutes, though, <laughs> <laughs> you got to understand. Oh, man. Uh, it's just amazing how much that resonates. I mean, Get Out was based off an, well, not based off an Eddie Murphy joke, but from a punchline from an Eddie Murphy joke. I mean, yeah. it's at least named after it. You know? Right. It means right. something, man. Holy fuck. Get I out. love it. Like, and that, yeah, it's, and those, but those jokes stand the test of time. It's, um, as will, I'm sure that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, there's a, I'm 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 constantly um, intrigued by. I think good comedians also don't let you relax. Yeah. And good comedy doesn't let you off the hook. It it can make you breathe easier. It can enlighten you. It can comfort you in some ways. But like, it can't truly ever banish whatever dragons we all got to face when we go back to our lives. Uh, it can only make them a little bit more bearable. Uh-huh. And I feel like, yeah, drag, you know, Richard Pryor in that respect to me is like, um, yeah, he's almost like a knight or something like that. It's right. Like he's, he's a shining knight and he's so reflective. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Look at me. This is all I can do, everybody. But look, <laughs> look, look, look. And like that's sometimes it's enough. Man. Holy shit. This has been one of my favorite episodes of all time. Thank you so much for talking with me. Thank you so much for having me. This um, has been a blast. Can we see your short film anywhere? Is that available anywhere to watch? Yes, it is. Um, I can send you the link, but uh, it's called Page One. And if you go to uh, Jamtown Films, uh, mm-hmm. my co-writer and director of that short, you can find that on his YouTube page, Page oh, awesome. One. And it's called Page One. Awesome. Perfect. Um, well, again, I'm, I'm going to thank you. You're welcome back anytime. Please and thank you. Oh, thank um, you. This has been such a pleasure. I've had, uh, I I love to nerd out and you're a pleasure to talk to you. Talk thank to you. you. So Same thank here, you. man. Everybody, please watch the Amber Ruffin Show. Can I just tell you, please watch. It's just the fucking best. It's so good. It's so damn good. Um, well, that's it. That's all I'm going to say. Thank you guys for listening. And as always, have a good thing. Comedy on Vinyl is a production of Stolen Dress Entertainment. It is produced by Mike Warden and is hosted and edited by Jason Klom. Our theme song was composed and performed by Richard Levinson. You can email us at podcast at comedyonvinyl.com. You can also send snail mail to Stolen Dress Entertainment, P.O. Box 805, Burbank, California, 91503. Subscribe to Comedy on Vinyl on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you can find podcasts. Give us a five-star rating and write us a review. It helps. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Comedy on Vinyl, or find everything in one place at ComedyOnVinyl.com. A major portion of Comedy on Vinyl has been underwritten by Stand Up Records. Please visit StandUpRecords.com for all your comedy needs and tune in to the new Stand Up Records channel available on the Roku, where you can also find select episodes of this podcast. Visit StolenDress.com to listen to our other podcasts, watch videos, and imbibe freely of our multimedia content going back 15-plus years. Dress Entertainment. Hey, it's my turn. Ah!